This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 153, sponsored by the Mid-Ohio Con, In-Stock Trades, and Netflix. When you walk through the garden, gotta watch your back. I beg your pardon, walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus. Save your soul. You gotta keep a devil way down in 
and welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 153. My name is Ron, and I'm a little under the weather, but I'm here with Josh. Hello. I'm all confused. <laughs> and, and Connor. And Josh goes last. And hopefully, I'm changing things up. <laughs> and hopefully they'll pick me up and carry me through the podcast. So we're from iFanboy.com, where we like comics, and, and we read a lot of comics, although not this week, we didn't read that many. And every week, uh, we one of us picks the best one that came out, we write a review on iFanboy.com, call, we call it the pick of the week, then we come here and discuss it, as well as uh, some of the other comics, as well as answering your questions via email and voicemail, and things like that. Before we dive in, though, I just want to uh, warn everybody that we're going to talk about what happened in the books, so it's often considered spoiling the comics, so if you haven't read your books, press pause and go read them and then come back. So this week, Josh has the pick, and I will hand it off to him so I can stop talking. It's funny that, that you say not many books, because for me, that's nine books now. Oh, which... yeah, I, I, bought, I bought five or six. That's this crazy. Week... Yeah, which is me, that is, me that's, that's crazy. That's really crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't even get weeks like that anymore. Yeah. I had um, ten, and that was, that was half of what I normally get now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to do with myself on Wednesday. I was like... I read I, no I Marvel books. I hate this podcast this um, life we lead 20 books a week. It, it was not an easy week to have pick of the week no it because sucks because this week was and i don't mean to dismiss the book because we're going to talk about that in a second which is top 10 season two number one but it was like it was like going home to mom's house and your mom's not really that good of a cook <laughs> so everything was kind of okay but it wasn't really exciting you know what i mean <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy i like that thank you Thank you. You know, it's just like I, I got finished my books and I looked at all of them and I was like, oh, this was okay and that was good. But it was really hard to figure something out that was, that was interesting to talk about because you, you can't just be like, this book was good. You have to have a reason for it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the one that made me sort of ha- smile, it was the happiest, was this top ten book because, A, uh, I expected nothing of it. In fact, I almost didn't buy it. For those of you following along at home, Al- uh, Alan Moore did a series called Top Ten. From, from America's Best Comics uh, way back in, Jesus, 1998, 99, something like that. Yeah, um, 2000, like around there. Yeah, yeah. and they did, they did season one, which was 12, 12 issues about this sort of, sort of silly, sort of melodramatic, all characters in this city, Neopolis, are superheroes. They don't just have superpowers, they're all superheroes. It's part of the culture. They have costumes and, and you know, character names and all that stuff. And this is a, a team of cops who work for the Neopolis PD. And it was, it's one of my favorite series because it was just – there was a lot of really good things about it. And it was really cool to me because I had never seen Alan Moore do that kind of story. You know what I mean? Like that was one of the things that convinced me that this guy wasn't, couldn't just do deep, serious stuff, but he could have fun and do really well at that also and be funny and all those things. And so because he's Alan Moore, he got mad at somebody for some <laughs> reason and said, I'm never going to work with you again, which he's done more than like <laughs> – he's done that a lot. Actually, he's only well, done it twice. This was I, DC. This was DC. Yeah, he's done it to DC a couple of times, though. Yeah. Right, but was well, ABC was, was Wildstorm, right. Wildstorm. Well, yeah, yeah, Amer- yeah, America's Best Comics is his imprint under Wildstorm. That started while Wildstorm was at Image, and it was Alan Moore was going to have his own imprint of comics, and then literally weeks after it launched, Jim Lee sold to DC <laughs> and, had to, and had to fly to England and tell Alan Moore in person and be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and Alan Moore, you know, to his credit, was like, all right, fine, we'll go with this. Until DC then, pissed him off. and yeah. yeah, They pulped a bunch of issues of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I think, because of literally, uh, here's a little history for you, there was an ad in the back of them. They had fake Victorian ads, and one of them was for a product called, called Marvel Douche. <laughs> uh, 
and then they pulped those, which actually had nothing to do with Marvel, so they say. Either way, so skip to now. There's your history for it. And Xander Cannon and Gene Ha, who worked on the first series, uh, Xander did the layouts and Gene Ha did the art, want to keep it going apparently. So, so they said, you know what, Alan Moore, we, we will do it without you. I, we don't want to let this die, which, which, as I said in my review, the ball's on this guy. To be like, I I can write this. That's fine. I got I gotta give um, I gotta give Xander Cannon credit. I love that name, Xander Cannon. Yeah. it's a great name. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. almost it's almost like there should have been a book in America's Best Comics, like Tom Strong, Xander Cannon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Um, yep, and yeah. so yeah, <laughs> and so they did this book, this issue that came out, and I I wasn't sure I would pick it up, and then I thought, well, there's no there's no intruders, there's no interlopers. They didn't bring in some other guy. It wasn't like Roger Stern presents top ten. If anybody's <laughs> going to know this stuff, it's going to be these two. Yep. And you know what? It, it was not an Alan Moore book. It was not that elegant. It was not that great. But it was really enjoyable. It was good to go back. It was, it was great to see Gene Ha again. Um, and and plotting-wise, I, I felt it was very strong. I think some of the dialogue was a little clunky from, from here or there. But it kind of was to begin with. So the whole time I was reading it, I kept comparing myself like, is this is – this, just different or am I just looking into it too much or whatever but I also kept getting impressed as I was reading through it because they would you know do some character stuff and, and all the characters because they look exactly the same because it's the same artist you know it brought you right back and I, I just had a ton of fun reading it and you know it's only four issues and what's funny is that the amount of stuff that they set up in here feels like it would take more than four issues to take care of which is which is kind of cool which is you know commendable it's laudable did either of you guys read this I, I picked it up oh yeah no yeah. no Oh, and, okay then. <laughs> yes, either of us. I'm just giving my answer. <laughs> why? Why didn't you pick it up? Because you're going to read it and trade? No, because I'm, I'm not interested in Alan Moore's free top ten. Just like in Josh said in his review, he mentioned West Wing, which was a great example. I'm not interested in a West Wing without Aaron Sorkin. I'm not interested in a top ten without Alan Moore. Wow, it's harsh. No, it's not harsh. It's just I, there's some properties that are so for me connected to their creator. Yeah, no, no. I don't. I don't want to. Even even Josh's review saying now it sounds like something I would definitely not like. It's, it, it's top ten to me is one of the best series of the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. It was so special. And if you're saying this is seems like top ten light, then I'm not interested in, in that. And that's fine. Other people can be. Just I don't want to read something that's gonna that's gonna be that way. You know, I don't. I, I watched The West Wing a few times after Aaron Sorkin left, and it was West Wing light, and I wasn't interested in that. Well, the first so five was terrible. Right. So like not, when it gets to, when it got to season six and seven, they decided to stop trying to be him and to make it its own thing. It was much better. Right, but I, I have the first four. I don't need anymore. I don't. I have the the season one of top you're, ten. You're never going to know what happened to Zoe. That's all I'm saying. She's um, still kidnapped somewhere. Um, <laughs> She's sitting in a box somewhere. I picked it up though, and and admittedly. You know, you know, I got the top ten trades. Uh, Connor, I think you gave them to me for Christmas, right? And yes. Admittedly, they're great. They're really, really good. And but my my complaint about top ten in general was that it was just so dense and so it was just it was very heavy to read um, mm-hmm. originally. And I remember that was why I originally dropped it in the first place when it first started coming out because I bought the the issues when they were coming out. But I saw Josh. I saw you picked this, so I'm like, oh, I'll pick it up. I'll, I'll take a look at it. And it was it felt just it, it, my same complaint about the first series was the, the same here. It felt very dense. It felt very heavy. I didn't. It wasn't like, oh, this is Alan Moore light. I didn't get that. I didn't really get that feeling. It just felt like more of the same. What I thought was really interesting was I didn't really love the artistic approach that Gene Ha was taking with this. It had a more. It's slightly different than the first series, but yeah, it is it, similar. Well, to- yeah. Well, hang on. It has a more painterly look to it. Maybe similar to the issue of Justice League he did, but that was even more painted than this. Um, well, he did but- the Forty Niners. In yeah. the middle, okay. which won an Eisner Award, which was more like this. Okay, but what I thought was really, really interesting as the the issue developed was, and and maybe I'm crazy, and maybe it's just the because uh, I'm addled, but 
is there a mixture of the painted look and like the comic, the clean comic look? Yes. Which I thought was like in the same panel. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. That that's the one thing that made me stand up and notice. I'm like, okay, this this is the, artistically this is really cool because in the same panel there are characters and there are physical mm-hmm. objects that are have this painted look, but then there are other characters and other physical objects that have that clean clean line comic book look. It's um, really interesting. Yeah. It seems as if a, a, it's not consistent. I can't quite figure out why, which normally would bother me. But a lot of times, like the character who's speaking or the people you're supposed to be focused on, yep. they're the ones who are painted. Yep. And then people in the in the background or on the side or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Really strange. But but I, I like it. I mean, I mean, the, at the end of this, I, I and every time I see Gene Ha work, I'm just like, why isn't this guy more huge? You know what I mean? Like, you know, the JLA issue, number 11, that you won an Eisner for that issue. You know, won an Eisner for uh, for the 49ers, like we said. That was the original graphic novel. It's a great you know, graphic novel. You know, why why not more? I mean, he's he's great. He's fantastic. And and so, you know, because of that, that puts you over the edge. Because the thing is, Alan Moore is, is the creator of the comic, but so are these two guys. You know, these guys had something to do with it. The development, the look, the feel, all that stuff. So, you know, that was enough to still make me dig it. Uh, you know, it wasn't exactly the same, but, but I enjoyed it. You know, you know, the thing that it was missing a little of was all of the background stuff that happened. Yeah, because like you know, that was what I remember Top Ten was so amazing because in the background there was little references and things like that. And I, and I picked up some of them, like one of the stores yeah. One of the stores was a Grit store and had the old Grit logo. But I didn't, I didn't get that sense that it was like filled with it as much as the first series. Yeah, exactly. It was almost was half it. the story in the first one was in the yeah. background. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but you know, I, I didn't hate it. In the back, in that same panel that you're talking about, there's the Disney Magic Castle back there. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, th- there was definitely fun stuff. And, and, you know, out of a week of stuff that was not great – this was the thing that made me smile the most. It's funny that you didn't like that it's dense. Like this took me my entire train ride home to read. Wow. It was the first thing I read because I was again, I was expecting nothing of it and that's what I read first and it's like it's like there's a lot of stuff there and it's it's four issues. I certainly there was a mini that came out that was like f- 5 years in the future by Paul DeVillippis and, and and drawn by Jerry Ordway and that was something I totally wasn't interested in. Yeah. And I haven't heard anything to dissuade me of that, but uh, it, it was fun. It was it was a good time. Uh, it, it was definitely worth taking a look at. The cover j- alone, just like seeing it on the stands, that really brought me back. And I, and I like that the the guys like it enough that they're going to give it another go because it's not like it's terribly popular. Yeah. So cool. There you go. Xander Cannon, PI. <laughs> dude, si- dude, sitting on a gold mine. He doesn't even know it. Unshaven, just sort yeah. of rumpled. Yeah, maybe a Hawaiian shirt. Carries a really big like forty five. Yeah, exactly. Smokes. <laughs> Sounds like a B Clay Moore title. No, no Hawaiian shirt. He just, he's got to have a rumpled suit. A oh, rumpled suit. Okay, I'll go with rumpled yeah, suit. Yeah. yeah, I'll go with rumpled suit. Yeah, a hat, Unsized a fedora, baby. maybe. Or he's got a smoking problem. He's got he's in debt. He's got a lot of problems. Yeah, drinking. He looks like David Duchovny with fifteen years on him. <laughs> yes, you mean like David Duchovny? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get so much tail. <laughs> so, did anything else come out this week? Really. There was stuff worth talking about. Batman 680 seemed to be the favorite of the iFanboy community, I think, when it comes to, to what the, the – I think that was the highest pick of the week to, picked book. And to its credit, uh, I felt this was the first issue in the whole thing where I, I pretty much knew what was going on the whole time. Where you know a lot of times the complaint has been that it was a little difficult to follow. But this one was still pretty straightforward. However, I, and I, I was talking to Connor about this, is that at the end of it – Ron, you don't read this, right? What? 
You're not reading the Batman RIP, oh, no, right? I'm sorry. I started reading Four Eyes while you were talking about Batman. Um, <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> at, at the end, there's this whole sequence where it's all being revealed to Bruce, and the Joker keeps saying, now do you get it? Now do you get it? And because of sort of the un- unclarity before, I kept wondering, I was like, what did I miss? Have I missed something? I, I, but I, I figured I haven't, and they're going to tell me later. But it was actually pretty enjoyable. I like this. It's funny because Batman R.A.P. is almost following the textbook Grant Morrison style in that the first issue was really confusing. Yes. And, like, you don't know what is happening. And then it got, it got, with each issue, it got less confusing, and the pieces started to fall into place. Mm-hmm. This issue was so straightforward and simple that I expect the next issue will, will exist entirely on a silver platter. Yeah, because every I mean every issue, everything, and this was this was very straightforward. But we're having the pieces revealed, and basically, the big thing at the end. Well, that, well, the story is a bunch of rich people get together so they can they can watch the, the end of Batman. This guy, the guy who has been Black Hand has been orchestrating this like, whole thing. He he is you know gathering all these rich people together to see the destruction of Batman, and then at the very end, the Joker's let loose to fight Batman, and we revealed that Jezebel Jet, as many suspected, is either the Black Glove. Or part of the black glove, but she's definitely evil. It's funny because the whole time we've been talking about this, the, the, the color scheme of black and red has been mentioned by Grant Morrison in it throughout this issue. And he said it would be right in front of our faces. And basically, it has. She is a black woman with red hair. And we haven't, you know, no one picked up on that until this issue. And hmm. so it's, it's sometimes it's, hard to, to deduce ethnicity in comic books, which is probably yeah, why I mean, she's been She's it's, clearly been black for the whole time she's been in the book. I don't think I realized that, but that's fine. Usually, the, the, the tried and true uh, way of having comic book writers uh, mention that somebody's black is to make them speak ridiculously. And right. so he didn't, do that. didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, but um, this, is, this is really good. The problem with this series is that it's the delays that the Tony Daniels mm-hmm. art is, is, is just killing it. On the other know? hand, I, I think it's really important to give Tony Daniel a lot of credit for two things. One, it's really nice looking. Like, this is a guy who's, who's he's almost he's gotten better as he's gone through this. But two, it's a fairly comprehensively drawn thing. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff he had to do. Like, I feel there's like a the lot in the book. Each panel is packed full yeah. of stuff. Um, and and he, I, I imagine his interpretation of the script took a good deal of effort and time, which is probably why, because it's, it's very dense. And I think he's doing a really good job of making what, what is, you know, sort of incomprehensible, comprehensible at times. Oh, I agree. The art has been great. It's just that it's the delay with a book like this <laughs> where you've got to follow every clue. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. is hard to do. I mean, I don't even I don't even remember the last time the issue when the issue came out. I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I'm always really amazed at the ability of some comics fans to remember stuff like that. Like, we'll I'll read through the to the comments on our site and things, and people will mention, sh- and I don't remember any of the details of anything anymore. It's all oh, detritus. I, I mean, that, I, I mean, I, it might be that might be a, a matter of training or you know like hone skill because over the years i've you know like i've had the same thought is that i don't understand how i remember what happened in the last issue especially when they were delayed a long long time ago but for some reason i'm just like it takes a couple of panels i'm like oh yeah right okay i'm in in it no you're pretty good at it but i'm talking about people who can bring it up like without looking at the issues and remember that shit they're like yeah Yeah. but in daredevil 17 you know like oh right Right. there's a lot of them and and we see it a lot well they, they like comics I guess they do. Yeah. <laughs> Are we done with Batman? Yeah, no, it was very good. It was it was almost my pick of the week. It wasn't, but it was very very close. It was it was one of the better issues of this whole thing, which I've liked a lot. Definitely. I'm really, I, I'm I really looking forward to the, to the next issue. I really want to know what happens. I mean, that's, that's and that the will mark be with us any year now. Anyway, yeah. I think the only other contender that I had up for the pick was uh, Four Eyes Number One. That was a good contender. Absolutely. Yeah, by Joe Kelly, written by an artist Max Fumara. Fumara, Fumara. Yeah, whatever. Fuge. Um, <laughs> or Funke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you guys both read this? Yep. No. 
Oh. <laughs> I just love it's the image. <laughs> it's just every every time we ask him, no. <laughs> this is a interesting. Uh, we we heard about it in San Diego, and basically the the premise is a 1930s time period in middle of the depression. In middle of the depression, in a world with uh, dragons, which is which is pretty cool. Dragons are always it, fun to have. It's like I'm trying to think of a. It's like some mob movie where the kid has to succeed the father yeah. meets Reign of Fire. By the way, Reign of Fire. Greatest film of all time. You may not know that. And Bring him to me, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all having your fun? <laughs> we get introduced to a little boy, and he's out on vacation with his parents, and he and he sees his father kind of perish, and he takes on his role of working with the dragons after him, and it's it's and it's this interesting world of where dragons exist, and there are like bouts there. The dragons fight each other, and I, I love how there was a um, there's a protester. Uh, holding a sign says "Compassion, not cha- not cages," with a dragon that was chained up. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be like a dog fighting thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which yeah. is basically what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, the one thing about this book that really, really, really impressed me is that a Joe Kelly's a guy who I don't think gets enough credit. Like he really built a world up very, very quickly. Yeah. And there's back matter in here that sort of that fills it out a, a little more and it's totally different from sort of others this is like what other book is like this this is crazy yeah no I, and, and and it's a world that it's a world that not only does he build up but it's a world that you want to know more about that you want to see more things happen in definitely which is not easy which is not easy to do further to that there are a couple of pages in this that like you flip the page and the art is stunning yeah there's the double page spread of the dragon flying over new york city yeah, I mean that's that's as good a couple of pages as you see. Yeah, no, I, Ma- I Max Fiumara is, is his art. I was very impressed by his art. I mean, it was really really good. And Joe there's... Kelly talked about that in our San Diego interview, and that yeah. he these guys he discovered these artists that he's really really excited to work with, and yeah. the art that I saw were fantastic. Yeah, he fucking well should be. Yeah, I mean, there, there was it was interesting because there were there was a couple of pages that gave me a little bit of a Marcos Martin vibe, you know, with the with the coloring. I saw Tim Sale, so yeah, yeah or Tim Sale, yeah, like the the one that one page with the with the ominous guy, the, Chris, yeah, Christopher, Christopher yeah, exactly. When he comes in, like that was very much like that, and so and the thing is, is that it it gets the setting across. I mean, it's the New York and the Depression in the '30s, and it's uh, a rich kind of uh, background um, behind oh. it, and then yeah, he's got people all over the place, and and they all. You know, exude that time and era and the depression. It's just great. And you've got these dragons who are. I mean, you say you say dragon, and and there's an imme- immediate kind of idea pops in your head of what a dragon looks like. And I think this is it, the way he's drawing the dragons is true to that, but also unique in a way that I've never seen before. Yep, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what was really cool about this to me is that I kept I saw a lot of people talking about it on the site, and for sort of an image book from a guy who used to be a bigger name at the mainstream books, I guess. Like it was really cool to see. Like after after um, I Kill Giants had built up a little bit of critical mass, people really checked this out and liked yeah. it. And I think that's really that's good. That's awesome. Cool. Good stuff. My pick of the week ended up being Supergirl thirty four, which we joked about on the shipping list mini about how this is the umpteenth reboot of Supergirl. And it's true, it is the umpteenth reboot of Supergirl. But this one was actually really lots of fun. This is from Sterling Gates and Jamal Eigel. They're the new team. This is where it starts integrating with the other Superman books. So much so that one of the B-plots from Action finally comes to fruition in this in this book where Cat Grant is back in the Action Comics book and she's got the new breast implants and she wears low-cut shirts and she's the center of attention for all the guys in the, in the newsroom of the Daily Planet. But then one day Supergirl goes to the office to talk to Clark and all the guys are like, hey, you know, what's going on there? Which, which annoys Cat Grant because here's a younger, more attractive woman that steals her thunder. 
Who's Cat Grant? And she's a reporter. She's a okay. character from. Oh, many I, thought, years. I thought I thought it might have been Supergirl's secret identity or something. No, no, she's a she's like, a reporter for many many years. Okay. She's a gossip reporter at the Daily Planet, and got she it. she's got a long, interesting history, which which doesn't really need to get into right now. But the whole time, in action in the background, she's been fuming about being upstaged by the Supergirl, and finally, in this issue, she puts out an editorial why the world doesn't need Supergirl, and it totally trashes her, and everybody sort of starts rethinking Supergirl, and Supergirl is sort of a crisis of who am I? Why am I doing this? Is it really worth it if people on the street? make fun of me or whatever so she goes around superman to wonder woman to robin and has a sort of a heart to heart about what she should do it is very much a rebooting and a restarting of not a rebooting but it is sort of a refocusing on the character like who who is she what does she do why does she do what she does even when somebody throws a soda at her it was a really really strong character issue there was some action but it was mostly just her talking to all these heroes figuring out why does they do what they do and should she have a secret identity and what should she do and at the end she ends up having a secret identity she becomes Lana Lang's niece, and she is going to be working at the Daily Planet with Clark. And Just a really strong character issue. And Cat. Cat Grant doesn't know yet. No, no, but uh, right, but is that that's your conflict? Is that the two of them are going to work at the Daily Planet together? Probably they'll be at the Daily Planet together. Right. Part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be all part. If you're reading any of the Superman books, you're probably going to want to start reading this too. A, it's really good, but B, it's also going to be tied into the story, the coming new Krypton story that's going to go through all three of these books. And it was really strong. Jamal Eigel's art is getting better and better. Great. I've always been a fan of a fan of his, but this is a really strong, really strong good stuff. And it's not cheesecakey at all. There's no pose of her sticking her ass out at the camera or bending over. It's all just Give it time. No one can help that. You must. Is there still a half shirt? There's still a half shirt. She's a teenager. How old is she supposed to be? Eh, I mean, is she like over 18? 16, 17. No, not over 18. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's sort of like hot chick Peter Parker. Oh, no. It is. I mean, that is. I mean, isn't that what what Peter Parker's thing is? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Nobody appreciates me. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought I thought he meant. Uh, forget it. I'm sorry. Anyway, carry on. So Jonah Hex. This is a weird issue, uh, Josh. <laughs> it was a weird issue, and about halfway through, I was looking at it and I was like, his face is normal. This is actually my least favorite issue of Jonah Hex that they've ever put out. I gave it three stars and I fanboy. I've never given it lower than four. Mm-hmm. Number one, because the guy drew Jonah Hex with a normal face. His character is his messed up face. That's right, but, yeah, part that's of who he is. Yeah. And, it it um, had me questioning the timeline because this would this took place, I think, two years after the Civil War, and I couldn't remember because they did the issue where he got cut, and maybe that happened after this. It, they did that, but as far as I know, it, that was before when he was younger. I, I mean, can't it, remember. By, by this point, he's got his reputation as the, as the baddest guy in, in the, in the uh-huh. West. But the thing was, it wasn't that was part of it. It wasn't so much that. I thought the art at times was completely incomprehensible, and mm-hmm. some panels just could not tell what was happening. It just, I didn't like it. I don't know why. I mean, I, I thought it was a three star book. I didn't hate it. But. I did, but I see the issues that you're talking about. One of the things that was really, really interesting about this is they did something that I thought was sort of necessary because it, it had answered a question that I had in my head. And it's that, you know, here we are, we live in 2008. You know, the, the world is a whole different place than it was then. But this is this book normally takes place after the Civil War, and Jonah Hex uh, rides around in a Confederate jacket. Now, a lot of people are – it's not even a liberal thing to be like, that's that's a little weird, I suppose, to have a hero who's riding around in a, in a you know Confederate uniform and what that means. And this really gets into some of the questions of why he ended up joining the Confederacy, which was almost out of ignorance basically, and then why he continues to wear it, which I thought was a really interesting idea. He so dislikes people of every stripe. He's not a racist in any way, but he so dislikes everybody that he wears that uniform so that they hate him back. And he doesn't have to worry about people trying to be friendly to him or whatever. And the people who are friendly to him, well, then they're assholes. Actually, the story was pretty good. I gave the three stars basically for the story because the art was – I just hated. But it's uh, – I, I never – see, I never was a pro- had a problem with the jacket because it's, it takes place within a time period where that would have been okay. 
No, and, so and that's fine. I just think it's really interesting that they had to think about it and came up with, I thought, a really compelling reason for him to keep doing that. Yeah. Because the thing is, you know, you wear a military uniform most of the time if you're wearing it afterwards because you have a lot of pride in what you did. And that's not the case with him. So why is he wearing it? I agree. Because he, he has no pride. I, I thought that was really interesting. For that, this issue was really compelling to me. And also, you know, it's really difficult to tackle matters of, you know, how he's treating slaves after. Like, it's, it's difficult to do that and not come off offensively, I think. And it was, it was really sort of interestingly done, I thought. I didn't mind yeah. the art as much, but I see what you mean. There's a couple of panels I couldn't tell, what, tell you what was happening. That, that's mm-hmm. a problem from a storytelling standpoint. And I like that they experiment with the art. I like that they try different people in different styles. That's not a, yeah. For me, that's not a problem. It's just this, this guy is probably huge in Belarus. That's what I was thinking. Is probably very big somewhere that I don't you know know about. But for me, it just didn't work. It was very uh, not not too far from a Simone Bianchi kind of deal, I guess, but without being exactly like that. Simone's spe- cleaner. Ooh, speaking of Simone, I saw that um, he's not uh, astonish. Uh, Alan Davis is coming to Astonish X Men, and he's just doing covers. Oh, so, it's sorry. I just I just remembered that. I remembered I was on the podcast. So I thought I'd say something. Ron, is that, you're going to that- get-, <laughs> <laughs> get your wish because Scott Summers is going to go back to the early '80s. I know. Yes. Shoulder is that pad. for an arc or is that for good? I think it's for an arc. I don't know if it's yeah, for good. I'm going to I'm, I'm look into it. I'm going to call some of my contacts. We'll see what we can find out. Well, yeah. Eventually, you can pick up that three issue arc or whatever arc number it is. You can get it in StockTrades.com where they have over thirty seven percent off their cover prices. Free shipping over. Orders over $50, and you get 5,400 trade paperbacks, blah, blah, blacks, in stock, <laughs> available for order. That's what happens on a read-ahead of the script. New releases listed every Wednesday. Orders usually ship within 48 hours at www.instocktrades.com. And coming soon, we'll have the new book of the month, and you'll be able to get that at a huge discount at instocktrades.com. I know what it is, but I can't say because we haven't done it yet, but it's very exciting. Yay. All I right. bet it'll excite more more than the Charles Lindbergh book did. Probably. You never know. You never know, actually. <laughs> actually, it may not. <laughs> it may not, actually. <laughs> actually, I didn't know how to think about it. It may not. This is the Bob Vila comic book of home repair. Really? <laughs> That's what you're doing? Uh, Bob Vila can really draw. <laughs> There's a name no one says anymore. Real quickly, I wanted to mention House of Mystery. This was one of those books this week that I thought was really interesting and really good. Sort of nothing. It wasn't pick-worthy. Um, but it's a book that I haven't really talked about a whole lot, I mean, but I've been reading it all along. And with each issue, it gets a little more interesting. There's a female pirate who's a character in, in this book who's stuck in the house. And they, and they told her her backstory. And it, it, felt a, it reminded me a little bit of reading some of the more fun parts of Neil Stevenson's Baroque trilogy, which is you know all pirates and, and whatnot. And, and I, it just reminded me of that. And it, that was fun. And there's, a, uh, there's just more story going forward. And, and this was a really fun issue. And I liked it. I'm still liking it. So if, if you know, if you haven't checked it out, six issues in? Yeah, six issues in. It's still still pretty good. They're probably going to collect um, it in a trade very soon. Uh, the first five will yeah. be collected. This was a part yeah. one. Yeah. There so you. If, it, if it isn't even out yet, it might be. This was great. Great covers, good stuff. I wanted to really like House of Mystery. I read issue one. I got one of those <laughs> Vertigo samples, which was half House of Mystery, half Young Liars. And I read the Young yeah. Liars. And I tried, I made it about four or five pages in House of Mystery. And I just decided that wasn't meant for me. Just maybe, that. maybe. It sounds like it. It's just kind of like I, my eyes sort of rolled over and I got bored and I just stopped reading it. But. <laughs> and then you had a seizure. He stroked out. That's <laughs> awful. awful. House of Mystery gave Connor a stroke. He's oh. fine now. Awful. I really like Marvel books now. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 
He's only reading lesbian true life stories. What a weird That's... week. I didn't buy one Marvel book. Neither did yeah, I. Yeah, no. Neither did I. Oh, no, I did. I bought one. I bought Punisher War Journal, which was fun. Howard Chaykin, yay. <laughs> one book I did buy was Red Mask from Mars, number two, from Jonathan Hickman and Image Comics. I know in the beginning of the show, in the show, the first couple of books, I didn't read uh, Four Eyes and, and Top Ten, and you guys sort of laughed. And you assumed I was waiting for the trade. Jonathan Hickman makes the case for waiting for the trade. He yeah, does. Yeah, he does. He does. You know what I find really interesting too, though, is that is that none of uh, we were talking about this at the store, uh, at the comic book store. None of his image projects, like he's doing these four issue series. Yeah. yeah, like they're they're not these uh, these you know like it's just it's just four issues in a trade and you're done and you're out you know like and it's it's really interesting in terms of the format choice you know of course the timing of it hurts like hell but. That's the problem. Yeah. It's so dense. There's so much going on, and by the time that this, you know, the issues come out, you just have no concept of what's happening. This issue I actually enjoyed more than the first one. Once I remembered what was happening, mm-hmm. it's just you know you wait so long. Like Nightly News read the first issue, didn't love it, then read it in trade and, and loved it. I wonder if maybe his stuff is better suited. To it. It's just it's just so hard to. Oh, well, is somebody after I put up the pic, somebody twittered me, "What you don't like Red Master Mars?" I loved this book. I just had no idea where I was starting from when I got into it because it had been such a long time and it had been so – it's just so dense. And I really like – it's great. Just like everything else, he's never put out anything that was less than great. But there's a lot there and I was like, what the hell am I reading? And it takes yeah. you a little while to get into it and I think that's Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think he, I, I mean, in, this is one of the few cases. I mean, you know, where I st- net out on the whole trade issue thing debate and stuff like that. But I think this is one of the few cases where I, he is doing this for the trade. I mean, his his purpose is for these to come out in in one collected kind of volume. You know, yeah, it's unfortunate because it's just so well, pretty. Listen, it's so pretty. If, if I have to, it's so pretty. It's really, you know, what I like this is like this is actually the most standard comic book i yeah, think he's totally done. oh yeah yeah this is a superhero book this is his first superhero Pam's book yeah figures yeah. and you know I, by the way i really like this art i made that joke about paul giamatti the only thing i don't like about using celebrity faces because it makes you think of them immediately right. but at the same time i really really dug this art ryan bodenheim he's really good yeah, yeah he's good he's really good i, I think but, a lot of it has to do with hickman's coloring too I mean, yeah, the coloring yeah. Is you know? i yeah. will keep buying these in issues just to you know to further ensure that they get to trade but you know, besides that, I, I I still dug it. I just there wasn't it wasn't enough. I, I didn't remember enough to be able to be. Like, when you have to spend amazing. a quarter to a half the issue to remember, you know, to get up to speed, it, it sort of takes away from the enjoyment of the issue itself. It's just that's a yeah, problem. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. The JLA Justice League of America twenty five, the double sized anniversary issue, which well, actually nope. it's not. I'm, I'm putting my words in their mouth. <laughs> the curious case of Justice League of America. Now, what what did you think of this, Connor? I really think that Dwayne McDuffie does fantastic character stuff in this book. He does great interactions between the characters, and I appreciate it more having watched most of the Justice League cartoon now, getting a sense of how he writes these people. He does fantastic scenes between the characters' dialogue interactions. It's the plots that are the problem, and I don't know some. I, I don't know where to lay that down onto him or to, onto DC because he keeps getting shoehorned into, into events, and, and it feels like the, just this book has no identity of its own. Every couple of issues, something else happens from outside this book, and it affects this book, and you just want this book to go on on its own without being affected by everything else. I wish it was more like the beginning scene where Flash and Green Lantern are making fun of each other's costumes and trying to decide who's is more outlandish. Like that yeah. stuff is very good and funny, and I laughed and. It's, I like the stuff with Batman and Zatanna where there's more flirtation going on there. And that's all fantastic character stuff. It's the plot, more totem stuff, which you think they would have learned from Spider-Man. 
how much yeah. of a dis- mistake that well, is. That, that that was my point. Is that this? I thought this started out really, really good. I got really excited to sit down and read it, and I saw that Derek Robertson had had some art in it. I saw you know Ivan Reese, and there was some mixed art going on, and it would be cool, it'd be fun to read. And I thought the opening scene was really, really great. And then okay, great. So they're gonna go to Animal Animal Man. I love Animal Man, and then the the moment he referred to the yellow aliens, I was like, oh, they're gonna go there. And then I turned the page, and then it's a two-page spread of Vixen and a big yep. spider, and who's you know who's Kawaku Anasi, and all stories belong to me. And I just said, "Oh God, this one just went off the rails, hardcore!" And it just crashed, and and it just it was a mess. It was too much. I mean, I I like the idea of a double a twenty-fifth double-sized issue, but it was too much. And after that double-page uh, spider spread, the only thing that had me interested was the Derek Robertson Batman Red Tornado pages, which were awesome. But other than that, it was just crap, 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 crap. That's, that's African folklore, Anansi the Spider. Yeah, exactly. Like the, right. Neil Gaiman did a whole uh, book about it. Yeah. It maybe sort of would fit with Vixen. I, I think the, the thing about this book, and I don't read it, so I, I'm <laughs> talking out of my ass. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you anyway. My thought is that this should be – this should be the biggest book that they're doing, and it's not. And no one even really talks about it. It hasn't been the say, biggest book in years and years, I, not even when Meltzer was it doing it. It should be. I mean, like, you know, Marvel has Bendis on, on the Avengers. Now, whatever you say about what they're like now, they're still must-reads. Yeah. You know, you have to read them. And honestly, no offense to Dwayne McDuffie at all, but I just they, why don't they have a bigger name on this? Why don't they make a bigger deal out of this book? Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, it's, they, on, life, they, it's on life support. Melt, it feels like, but it, sh- it should be... Although I feel like that about a lot of books right now. Brad, but, Meltzer's, you know, been, Brad Meltzer's been off the book for over a year now. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. you know, make a big yeah, announcement. I agree. I totally agree with you. I mean, look at look at the cover alone. The cover alone there is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 characters, two of which, well, are, two of which are Green Lanterns. I understand. JSA doesn't suffer from that, though. Maybe no, it doesn't, more. but JLA does. I mean, like, they, they made a big deal about putting Black Canary in charge of the team, and she's not in charge of the team. It's a joke. Uh, look, I, I don't think this, the characters are the problem. The problem is the reason why JSA doesn't suffer from those cast is because Jeff Johns' vision is very true. He's been writing it since the beginning. It's been his book. It's his story. Right, and there's no vision this book, this, one. Yeah. this book's been bounced around between writers, been bounced around between stories. JSA said one continuous story. Yeah. It, you can jump on at any point, but it's, it's always been one story. Whereas this book, it was, for a while, it was with the Salvation Run story, or I was with another crossover thing, or while they shoehorned it into something else. It, it was in Countdown. It was there hasn't been a consistently true voice or direction for this book, and that is the biggest problem. Yeah, there's no, the vi- there's no vision. There's no vision for the book. There's I don't the- mind that Vixen's there. I don't mind that Hawkgirl's there. I don't mind that Firestorm's there. Although I'm glad they got rid of. Red Tornado in this issue, he just annoys me for some reason. But yeah. I mean, I, th- uh, this book—it's just a matter of there's no vision to the book. Yeah, Justice League of America should be the backbone of the linchpin. Uh, it's the book that brings together the heroes, and it should be one of the the main books of DC's line. And, and it's an afterthought. You're gonna put on that because Jeff yeah. Johns busy, and Grant Morrison already did it. Yeah, uh, I don't, so I don't that's know. their problem. I don't like, know. There's no answer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't. I'm racking my brain trying to think of a name that they could put on it. Yeah, and I I don't know one. Yeah. They should put Jason Aaron on it. Move to a reservation. <laughs> It's sort of like the X-Men going to the Outback, I guess. Yes. <laughs> it's just – it's awful. So I thought I should probably talk about a comic book because, you know, I'm on the show apparently. Uh, you only bought five books. What do you want? <laughs> uh, Savage Dragon number 138 came out and um, it has an interesting stamp on the cover. It says Savage Dragon World Tour and it's doing one of those things where I believe they're intermixing all the various characters from the Image Universe into Savage Dragon, which as a continuity fan and, and just a fan of these characters is can be a lot of fun and Larson is like the, a great guy to do that with. And this issue actually featured Adam Archer 
Hunter from Godland, as well as Jack Staff from Paul Grist's uh, series. And it's just, you know, I mean, if you're an Image fan, if you're reading Image books, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a lot of fun to see the crossover and to see, you know, Larson get to do some of the big Kirby-esque, you know, art that Scioli is doing on Godland with lots of dots, which he can do really, really well. Kind of similar to what All Red is doing on Man Man, you know, um, every issue I feel like is Larson is experimenting in different ways, and in this way he is uh, Nikos Kutsis doing colors, and the coloring is just is well, the one thing that I noticed with this issue. It's got a very, you know, distinct kind of coloring style that's, you know, a little retro, but also also modern in, in the ways using tones and values and stuff like that. So, I don't know, it's continuing to be fun, and ever since Larson has stepped down, this book has been coming out on time. Well, he's got time now to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Yay. Speaking of time, if you have a little bit of spare time and you have yourself one of them TVs, you should probably check out Netflix. Over 90,000 titles. Many of you can get uh, Blu-ray titles of a lot of the stuff that is out in that format while Blu-ray lasts. No late fees. Free shipping both ways. There's very fast delivery. Most of the stuff ships in one day. Plans start from $4.99 and you can get a free two-week trial at www.netflix.com slash ifanboy. We're not the only ones that read books. Everybody in ifanboy land reads their books and they go to ifanboy.com and they pull them and they rate and review them and they write their own reviews. We like to spotlight them sometimes in the user review spotlight. And the first book up is No Hero Number 1 reviewed by Aztiak 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 who gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5 and 1.7% of iFan base made it their pick of the week. And Aztiak says, love the art, could care less about any character in the book and I'm not willing to wait two years for and seven parts of the story to gel only to find out that the ending was no better than the beginning. Maybe the trade will read well. Maybe my problem is that I am so pissed off at authors, artists who can't keep on a regular schedule that I won't cut them any slack. Whatever the reason, no heroes off my pull list. Uh, th- th- this is uh, Warren Ellis' new book from Avatar with the with same artist that he Juan, had on Black Juan something Reap something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, R.Y.P. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there, there are contrary opinions, but here's one. I can't get into his Avatar stuff. I, I held this book in my hand because I thought the cover design was really cool, and I flipped through it, and then I put it back for you know because because I, I tried Black Summer and it didn't stick with me, and and the thing is, is Ellis's Avatar work has come out on time. Like it's not that it's it's not that Black Summer was delayed or anything like that. I don't think that was a problem. You know, there was I, a zero issue that came out about four or five months ago of No Hero, I yeah. think, and that was the thing. Yeah, but there's a zero issue of Captain America White in June. I don't know. I, th- I thought about checking out, but I just put it back. All right. uh, next up, uh, a review of Punisher War Journal 24. Neil Appeal gave it 5 out of 5 on art and story, and uh, all of the .33% made it their pick. He says, what I love so much about this is that where other tie-ins have skillfully accommodated Secret Invasion, often with amazing results, this book feels like Secret Invasion was written specifically to be a back- backdrop to this story. The way the things have been building up in the series came together in the midst of this crazy-ass battle, w- which was absolutely perfect. It's like Secret Invasion is an obstacle that a talented writer can swerve around beautifully, but a Fraction and Remender are running over it in a monster truck. This is not a scroll book. This is a Frank Castle book. Which is a great um, – this is a great – that's it a great made me observation, want to, I think, yeah. It was a great review. I was like, wow. Yeah. Was I the only one who read it? Or? Yeah, I, I actually want. It was good. It was a lot of fun. Chaykin's art was, was great. I love Chaykin. The, the observation of the story fitting in to the backdrop of Secret Invasion but propelling the storyline, which I don't know because I'm not reading the book, but um, was great. And there were great little scenes, you know, like Castle gets in the monster truck and he's driving through New York killing scrolls and he puts the radio on and he's excited that there's still a station playing music. And like, it's just like... <laughs> I love the idea of smiling Frank Castle. Like, yeah. this is great. Yep. Greatest thing ever. Yeah. Head over to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and pick your comics and write your own reviews and you could set your pick of the week and tell everybody what you think of comics. And if you are a fan of comic books, most likely this past weekend, if you lived in the Ohio area, you were at the Mid-Ohio Con. The convention is going on as we are talking right now. It's, it was this weekend. Uh, they had such great people like Alan Davis and Chris Claremont, some, another big name, Jason Muse. 
Chris Eliopoulos. Chris Eliopoulos, yes, indeed. And it looks like they really, the Mid-Ohio Con is one of those smaller conventions that give you a lot of exposure to the, the craters. And it's just a, a really, really good con to go to, if you, especially if you're in that Midwest area right around Ohio. They're going to be doing it again next year, so make sure you go to midohiocon.com. It's all one word, M-I-D-O-H-I-O-C-O-N.com, and check out the dates for next year, and make sure if you missed it this year, you got to see it next year. you gotta, you got to go. It's one of those really good sort of creator-centric cons about comics and yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Ethan Van Skyver was there, David Mack, Sean McKeever, Roger Stern, Mark Evanier, Chris Russo, Joe Kubert. Joe Kubert, jeez, come on. So make sure you go to midohiocon.com and check out next year's show. We get a little email, a little email going. Woody from Cincinnati writes in and, and asks, how many comic book readers do you think there are in the U.S.? I guess the first thing is to determine what qualifies as a comic book reader. I would think that they have to buy more than one monthly floppy issue a month just to prevent to prevent counting someone who's just a Buffy fan or a Stephen King fan. I'd love to hear some takes on how many of us there are out there. There's no statistics on this, so we are only able to spitball. Oh, no, no, no. There's a, there, there are 72. No shit. <laughs> yeah, 72. That's it. That's the only we people we can count. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, there, there are no. Uh, the problem with the, the problem with the comics audience is that it's, it's a guessing game because the way we track sale, the way that sales are tracked, are they, they track the comics that are sold to the stores, not comics that are sold to people. You know, an issue like New Event or Secret Invasion is going to sell 100,000 copies. We don't know if 100,000 people are buying it or not. And, you know, there are still people out there buying 20 copies of it and slamming it and doing all that kind of stuff because it's still a collector medium. And then on top of that, there's all these trade paperbacks and collected editions that sell through Borders and Amazon that we have no insight to. We don't know how those sales are. That said, you look at something like you know San Diego and over 150,000 people showed up. And Middle East, yeah, not, it's not, it's not all comics. I know it's not all comics. But you look at a convention like New York, which is you know more comics or whatever, and 50,000, 60,000 people showing up. What percentage of the 100 and whatever thousand people at San Diego do you think were actually comic book readers, though? I mean, I would literally think 30% maybe. 30 at the highest. I don't know. Yeah. I, think, I, think that's, I, think, I think that might be conservative because, I mean, a lot of people well, – You said are, regular monthly readers. A lot, I mean, admittedly, admittedly, the entertainment has a huge draw, but I think that there are, you know, there are a lot of people in line for those creators. There are a lot of people in costume. There's a lot of people in those panels. Maybe 30%. I would hope that it's a little more, but, yeah, I could see that. My guess, the number that I've always stuck around in my head is somewhere between three and 400,000. Secret Invasion number one sold stores with 300,000 copies, so I would yeah. say it's <laughs> a little high. It's probably in the – Five hundred thousand range. That's my guess. Yeah, Ish. I would say there are, yeah, there, there are probably there are probably about five hundred thousand dedicated comic readers, and then there are probably I would say upwards of over a million casual comic readers. Yeah, I mean, there's people yeah. people are buying those Watchmen trades, and yeah. the the nice thing is is that some trade paperbacks and some things are being read by people who are not necessarily comic book readers, and that's actually what we want. You know, yeah, this well, is the I'm, age of graphic novel. Case in point, I had a I had a friend of mine from a previous life that he was in a band. I knew him from music and stuff like that. Emailed me because he stumbled upon our, uh, one of our episodes, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm just getting into this Invincible book," and like I didn't even know he ever read comics. And he does, he didn't. He like he somebody handed it to him. He checked it out. He ordered them all, and so he's a casual fan. I don't know. I think they're out there, but it's definitely. I mean, it's it's a smaller number than what we want it to be. And when you mm-hmm. when you break it down, it gets even scarier. I remember going to a baseball game with Ron, and we were at this Yankee Stadium. It was full. And looking at the stadium and saying, more people in the stadium than read most comic books. Yeah, individually, that's a scary prospect. Yeah, oh, and like, you hear about great books that are selling like less than ten thousand, or you yeah. know. Yeah, four or five. It's sad. It's really with crazy. the amount of work that goes into stuff like that. It's just ugh, well, even when you get past the first twenty, top yeah. twenty or so, you start hitting under fifty thousand yeah. readers. It's yeah. just that's sad. Scary. Luke from Denver writes and says, "Please speak on Ex Machina. 
I like the book, I think, but it's coming out less and less often now, bi-monthly. And I feel like it could go either way. I personally care more about the political stuff than the superhero stuff and would like to see the book shift more in that direction. But it seems that they are going to be some kind of alien machine god thing coming soon. Is it falling flat? Is it still greatness a la Y or Pride of Baghdad or Runaways? You never talk about this book, so talk about it. Well, I thought this was an interesting question because if you had asked me two months ago, I'd totally agree with Luke and I'd be like, oh, Vaughn is working on Lost. He doesn't care about comics anymore or whatever. But I had the opportunity to talk to Tony Harris on the Mark Miller, Tony Harris episode of iFanboy. And I asked him, I'm like, what's with the delays? And he said, Brian has been nothing but on time. And that he's, and if there's anybody the excuse for the delays on Ex Machina, it's been Tony Harris and the art. But then also he referred to Ex Machina with such love and reverence. He referred, he referred to, he put his hands together and said, my baby, my Ex Machina. And so like, I can't believe that it just, you know, it's kind of a second, you know, a second fiddle to War Heroes or anything else that Tony Harris is working on. He really has a lot of pride in that book, and I, and I know Vaughn does as well. But then why does it come out, though? That's the question. I mean, maybe, well, yeah. for a little while, Tony Harris was doing, he's been doing War Heroes, and he did that Spider-Man book for a little while. Yeah. You know, maybe he took on too much. Yeah, possibly, and, which and that, happens. That, and so, you know, we haven't talked about it in a while because there was a three-month delay or something like that. But the last one that came out just a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, that, that's pretty good. That, that said, it, it is. I, I do feel like it's a little flat. It doesn't have the same energy that it did, and maybe well, because it's it, a little tired. But I don't know. You know what? Though the thing that's happening in the book is that it looks like Mitchell's trying to run for president. Yeah, or he's thinking about it. And I like. To me, I'm really interested in that sort of the political story that they can tell about sort of the discovery of should I run for president? Would I have a chance? Is there a you know like the thing is that's a big story and it could go on for years. So yeah. you know, isn't there a planned ending for it isn't it like sixty issues or something like that as a planned ending. Well, maybe I think I there know, is. Maybe. I believe there. I believe it's. it's a, I believe it's a. It's a finite book. Yeah, I believe there's well, an. End, there's a planned ending to it. Yeah, you know, but it's like the, why? Yeah, is that a five-year story or something? You know, but why came out all the time? So it's hard to say. I still like it. When I think, when I really think about what the book is, it's still one of my favorite books. I do wish we could see it more often, and I. Th- I think that being on a bi-monthly schedule will really hurt it. Yeah, as opposed to I haven't, monthly. It, for me, it hasn't been a must-read in a since this first year. Like it's, the first year, I was really excited whenever an issue came out. After that, I was less and less and less excited to the point where I dropped it for trades way back, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen a new trade in forever. So mm-hmm. I don't even think I don't even think about it. I forgot that it's still coming out. There have been arcs that I didn't like as much, but there's usually stuff in there that I find it to be an interesting read. And I like I I love Brian K. Vaughan's work, and it's the only comic book he's writing now. So when I get it, it's really nice to get that little touch of Vaughn because he's, he's a great comic book writer. Totally. All right, cool. So if you have any questions, uh, you can choose an email at contact.ifanboy.com. We'd love to hear from you. Voicemail. First one is from Jeff and would like to know about The Rock. Hey, it's Jeff from Texas. Uh, I was thinking about celebrities in comics and uh, particularly musicians. I know that Kiss had a few comics. They had the image stuff uh, from the 90s and then the, the Marvel stuff. That uh that they did, and then also um wait that was way back in the seventies, and then also like I know ICP had uh, like a whole run of comics that they did where they put out singles, CDs with the, with every issue and everything. And I was wondering what other musical artists had comics or maybe appeared in comics or something like that. All right, thanks guys. The the question is is that musician musicians that actually appeared in the comics because you know of course we talked about a lot of comics that are about music and things like that but actually I remember when I first got into comics in the early nineties there was a line, there was a publisher of comics called Revolutionary Comics and they were around from eighty nine to ninety four and they had a series called Rock and Roll Comics they're basically real life biographies of bands um, I remember I picked up the uh, the Jane's Addiction comic 
which had some great scenes of Perry, Fer- Perry, Perry Farrell doing heroin and things like that. They got a lot of notice when they did Guns N' Roses, and Guns N' Roses wanted a cease and desist, and, and it had a lot of, you know, it, it, entire print run of 10,000 sold out in two weeks, and, you know, and so it was a big kind of to-do with that. But they did, you know, they did profiles on Bon Jovi, Motley Crue. Like, you can imagine, like, in the 89, 90, 91, what bands they were doing. Awesome. Um, but what was really interesting is that some of the um, creators that worked on it, I mean, I mean uh, Rick Geary, who did the Book of the Month at iFanboy, Treasury sure. of Murder, he, did, he, did, he worked for them. Larry Niven, the writer, the science fiction author. Um, Stuart Immerman did some art for them. Len Kirk. So uh, really interesting. If you can find them, it's the kind of thing, they're not in print anymore, but you could probably find them at cons and things like that in the, in the back issue bins. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of bands with, you know, comics with bands in them. As far as anything else, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't tend to read those, so I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, n- next up is Mike, who has a very specific question about what he should drop. Hey, guys. Three quick points. Um, first off, my name is Mike from New Jersey. Um, first, uh, show's great. Number two, I got a question. I'm trying to trim my pull list. I need to drop one of two books, either Guardians of the Galaxy or Captain Britain and MI-13. Not sure which one to drop. And third... Super Psych just got my girlfriend to start reading comic books. She's loving the the Green Lantern secret origin story arc. All right, keep up the good work, guys. Take care. Wow. Um, listen, I cannot in good conscience recommend you drop either of those books. There must be something worse you're reading than that. Yeah, we, we need to see your entire um, pull list in order to, to, to advise you on this. Drop the one you're not enjoying. I can't tell you what you're not enjoying, but if you're bringing up those, maybe you're not digging them or whatever. But those, to me, are like two of the, the hidden gems of Marvel Comics these days. Yeah, so Totally. Uh, Drop Guardians. <laughs> and I'd like to applaud that he kept that voicemail under 30 seconds. That was good. Although I felt, I felt, I felt very it rushed through it while listening to it. I was like, oh, I don't know what you should drop. Drop something. Uh. I was stressed out. Yeah, was... Girlfriend. Oh, okay, yes. Oh, Green Lantern. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yay for your girlfriend. I mean, if, if you need to go longer than 30 seconds, you can try it, but you better be damn interesting. Yeah. So if you have any have any questions you want to call in and ask us, you can call us at one eight eight fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven, and keep them under thirty seconds. And be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. I kind of want to read Guardians of the Galaxy. It's so good. All the all the Nova Guardians talk has got me curious. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm sigh curious. <laughs> sigh curious. Oh. I don't think you've ever punned before. <laughs> is that a pun? I guess it is. Yeah, sort right. of. Yeah, it's wordplay. If you like what you heard here, go to ifanboy.com. You can read Josh's full Pick of the Week review on Top 10 Season 2, number one. You can also check out our in-depth comic book discussion, our daily columnists who are great, Thursday column from Paul Dini and Chris Neesman from Around Comics, all of our great writers every day at ifanboy.com. Yay. Be sure to head over to ifanboy.com forward slash store where you can shop on Amazon uh, for comics, video games, music, whatever you might like, and it helps ifanboy out while you do it. So ifanboy.com forward slash store. There is a video show, and we still have the weekly show, and that is not going anywhere. Every Wednesday, you can look for that at revision3.com slash ifanboy. This past week was the legendary, the epic Robert Kirkman, Brian Michael Bendis discussion from the Baltimore Comic Con, and and, uh, I couldn't make it, so I was very pleased that both of you got to show me what it was like. I I was fascinated. I thought it was great. Very hot in that room. Yeah, it got very hot. hot. You could tell by C.B. Sobolski. Well, thanks to you, I I was... uh, I was quite comfortable. I got to watch it in in in, in comfort. Nice. So uh, thank you. Good. Uh, this next week coming up, Ben Templesmith. Uh, maybe we talk about a little art. Yeah, I think we're gonna make a lot of people happy with this one. Yeah, because he he's draws popular. nice. Yeah, he draws real nice. Cool. So uh, look for those. One thing I like to do is I like to sit down and watch that weekly show wearing my iFanboy T-shirt. 
Uh, made a little right next, too. right next to my mannequins with a picture of Josh and Ron's face on them. <laughs> Not at all creepy. That's awkward. So if you wanted to do, <laughs> if you wanted to do that, <laughs> if you want to set up your own little iFanboy setup, you can go to jigs.com slash iFanboy, get a t-shirt, and you're on your way to setting up your own mobile iFanboy unit. You don't like that, do you, Josh? No. <laughs> Say it again. Your mobile iFanboy unit. If talking to your life-size mannequins of the iFanboy guys isn't enough, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at the aforementioned one eight 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 fanboys one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Any questions, comments, complaints, criticisms, anything you like, write or call us. I made Ron go down in the hole. Uh, <laughs> go to ifanboy.com. I thought you were going in a different direction. <laughs> oh, God. Go to ifanboy.com slash about where you can you can model your lifelike uh, figures with the photos there and the stories about us. Um, but also you find links there to all the social networks to whom we, we subscribe, I guess. MySpace, ComicSpace, for Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc. Get thee there. If you're following the iFanboy feed on Twitter but not us three, you might be missing out. Except for Ron's, which are really creepy. No, they're not. I joke. If you like the show and you like uh, what we do here and on the video show, you can write us a review at iTunes, which is a great way to help people find the show. It helps them when they search for comic book shows. So if you go do that, we appreciate it, good or bad. We'd like to have the word spread. You can tell your mom, your comic book store guy, the guy you buy your mannequins from, anybody really. Tell them about iFanboy. Cool. It's in the mannequin district, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> mannequins, mannequins, mannequins. Thirty-fifth, <laughs> tenth, and eleventh. It's a very small district. Mannequins are us. Just mannequins. That's where Andrew got, McCarthy uh, works now. <laughs> you got any, uh, got any heads here? No, no, just mannequins. Uh, okay. Who played Hollywood? Was that our city hall? Uh, no, it was uh, Meshach no, Taylor. It was Meshach oh, Taylor. Yeah. That's who it was. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. It was uh, designing women. Designing yeah, women. Yeah, Meshach Taylor. Yeah. yeah, that's who it was. And uh, the uh, Sex in the City uh, chick was Andrew the mannequin. Kirk? Oh yeah, Kim, Kim Control. Yeah, Kim Control. Yeah. Kim Control. Yeah, back when she wasn't uh, nasty. Well, anyway, um, so if you like the show and you've you've got some money saved after buying your mannequin, you can go to ifanboy.com forward slash donations and click on the donation boxes and help out uh, the ifanboy cause because it takes a lot of money to maintain these here mannequins. You can donate any, Connor. any amount that you like via PayPal, and we appreciate everybody who's uh, donated. You keep us in business. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I've got this closet that, you know, the one that I don't let you guys go into when you're over here. That's where the mannequins are kept. Awkward. I actually really made a mannequin buddy in college. Oh, God. <laughs> We're releasing this to thousands of people, Connor. <laughs> I, I had a – when baseball would come around, I didn't have anybody to watch it with, so I made a little baseball buddy I could talk to about baseball. I got a picture of him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Awful. Oh, Grant Morrison would be proud. Was it peyote or was it – what was it? <laughs> I can't talk about that. Oh, okay. That's my friend. Don't look at her. <laughs> get very jealous when his friend was watching. <laughs> looking. The problem was that he made the mannequin, but the mannequin was a Red Sox fan, and he was fucked. <laughs> he never got along. <sighs> well, until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Look at me. Mannequin. <laughs> jo- Josh Mannequin. <laughs> Josh Mannequin. Oh, that's funny. The members only give away. Three? I real dolls. <laughs> <laughs> All the angels sing About Jesus, my dear soul